Hi and welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm Simon Sweetman and this is episode 7 we're up to now. This is uh, me talking to Hini Moana uh, Baker. She's a Wellington poet or Wellington based currently poet and uh, singer-songwriter. She's a, a, a prose writer too now. She's working on a memoir and um, in fact by the time this airs she'll be very close to heading off to, to Berlin for the latest in what seems to be a series of writers and residence roles for her. So we talk about all of that sort of stuff. We talk about um, her, her writing a lot and um, you'll even get to hear her read some of her poems. She came around to to where I record the podcast in my house and um, we had a cup of tea and we had a chat and we <laughs> I listened to her read some poems which was a really amazing experience actually. I've been to poetry readings, I've even tried to give poetry readings to almost to anyone who would listen. Um, so, But to record someone, be recording someone and sitting in there listening to it was quite quite an incredible experience and um, and uh, she talks about the poems too, explains them a bit so that's good for idiots like me that don't really know what's happening but just like the sound of the words. Um, yeah, I, and then something kind of happened uh, without sort of giving too much away. There was a nice little twist at the end where um, the table wasn't quite turned but the microphone sort of was turned towards me and and Hanimoana Baker wanted to talk to me about things I'd done. Why that was interesting is because we don't really know each other. We, we we talk about that at the very start. We've, I'm pretty sure we'd met before. I mean, we're, we're friends on Facebook. That, of course, can mean next to nothing these days as well as meaning the world. Uh, yeah, so it was just a really, really interesting conversation for me and, and I think uh, I think she enjoyed it too. I certainly hope so and I thank her for her time and I I think um, I think this will be a good one for you guys to listen to. Thanks for tuning in and um, hopefully you'll you'll dig this. You'll get to hear some of her songs too. This is me talking with Hini Moana Baker. I was thinking, like, I'm sure we've met, but we've not really talked. Not really? Yeah, yeah I mean, we know, I guess we know who each other, who we are, like, yeah. we've met. Yeah. But, um, so I was interested to talk to you for a bunch of reasons. I would have um, wanted to talk to you for this anyway, but obviously the Berlin news is pretty exciting, and you probably um, are keen to have opportunities to plug that and let people know what you're doing there. So why don't we start with that? Yeah, sure. Can you tell me about it? Uh, so... I get to spend 11 months in Berlin in an apartment and yeah. stuff, so um, I'm leaving in five weeks. <clears throat> it's a Creative New Zealand uh, residency, so uh, the caveats are that you uh, that you come back to New Zealand afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so you have to return. <laughs> you you to can't return. fall in love with the city yeah, yeah, um, permanently. Although I will. Yes. Um, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And then and also I mean it's expected that you'll make you know decent progress on on one or two projects. I was going to ask. You don't have to return with a finished manuscript, but you have to no, return with the bones of that. Yeah. Um, or. You know, like you put in a proposal, like you do with yeah, all residency yeah. type things, about what you want to do, and presumably it would be great if you did those things. Okay. So, I want to finish a family kind of memoir thing that I'm writing yep. about my dad and me, yep. and I want to do a new collection of poetry as well. Okay. Yeah. And um, so we'll, we'll talk about these other things too. But you've you, you've had experience as a writer in residence before. So, yeah. have you? Um, is it scary? 
pitching a thing and then going, I have to come up with the goods and have you failed at it? Like, have you got and been ticked off or have you... Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, it's one of those weird situations where you have to kind of divorce your creative brain from your admin, life admin brain and write the proposal mm. as if you were your, your own manager or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then engage with it once you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I No, I haven't ever been ticked off or, yeah. you know, told do you, off. Do you know any of those? Because do you know um, so there must be the people, only people that, that the I know, The only people that I know who haven't really come up with with stuff in that situation have been people who haven't written their Creative New Zealand report on time. Yeah, right. Yeah, most of the people, most yeah. of the people I know have done their actual creative work. Done the so, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's the hard, boring bit at the end. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I might not come up with exactly what I'm expecting, but uh, it's time, and I'm already in a kind of a routine of writing, so I expect that'll kind of just continue. Okay. Well, one of the things that I guess interested me the most about talking to you was um, this idea, and I, you know, I know a little of your work, but I, I don't want to say I know all of it so that I'm not quizzed on it, but I know that you have managed um, kind of a dual career in the arts in a sense. You've managed to um, um, respectably uh, you know, be a musician and a, a poet slash writer, prose writer now. Um, and that's not something you usually one thing gives over the other, and you seem to have continued to either combine um, those disciplines for a similar for a for a project or release album and book turnabout. Um, what came first for you, musical writing? Oh, writing for sure. And um, I I so don't feel like I've managed to do those things, uh, you know as much as I should each of them I think music is suffering a bit now because I was going to yeah. say it only seems to me now <coughs> in the last particularly just following what you've done the yeah. last couple of years I would say writing's clearly you know prose writing writing on paper is clearly the focus um, yeah you don't have to lug any sound gear yeah. um, when you're writing a poem <laughs> although sometimes I do perform them so I and also I get quite anxious. I'm quite a um, anxiety freak. So when I do a gig, I just you know get really wound up um, for weeks beforehand. So wow. yeah, I I and when you say, is, is that even like a reading as well? Readings or? not so much. Okay, so usually, more than music. Yeah, usually the music. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still do them because I think it's good not to avoid things that give you that level of neurosis necessarily. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes that out of me, it really takes that out of me. Because yeah. we can get into talking about a few things here, but one of the things I imagined with, with you, and I guess I've thought about it with other people I know that do more than one thing like this, is that clearly one informs the other in a, in a few different ways. And I've, I've kind of thought, well, you know, you sing a songwriter, you've released albums, um, you've played gigs, that must be very handy for when you have to step up to the mic and read a poem. It's really handy. Yeah. And I didn't really realise that. Because not all poets are, are good at reading their own Well, words. yeah, I've actually started incorporating it into my teaching um, when I'm teaching poetry because uh, it's it's actually a really discrete set of skills mm-hmm. and you can teach it, mm-hmm. you know. And with things like poetry slams and, and, and things like that, there are people that the poetry is actually about performance and uh, I don't want to say they're no good but it's maybe a completely separate discipline to write for the page. I think it's uh, they're cousins for sure um, and they can learn a lot from each other but the audience 
is different. <coughs> it might be the same people, but the the kind of receptors in those people are a bit different. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, but yeah, they, they definitely inform each other. For me, with poetry, uh, the sound of it is often just as important or more important than the meaning, um, which you know can be a bit wanky sometimes people think yeah. it's a bit wanky and yeah. a bit arty farty and what does that even mean you know the syntax is all fucked up or whatever um <clears throat> and they're right you know sometimes it is just a big fat indulgence <laughs> why not why why yeah. not i mean poetry is not gonna it's one kind of arena in some ways in the arts where you can just do whatever the hell you want i was gonna say it's 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 um, i guess the internet and internet writing has opened that up a little bit for people but and opened new pathways for poetry too yeah. but but poetry is one of the great things about it is no rules yeah, well the, well yes and no because as soon as you make a mark on the page in a way you're setting rules for yourself yeah. you know if you make make a title um you know you want you call something you know uh terrorism or yeah. you call it uh my aunt yeah, but you're bicycle or whatever you know you're defining it in a sense or you're giving yourself some instantly you're giving yourself and then the reader when they come to it some guidelines some parameters expectations, some yeah. expectations yeah. but there's still you know you and I or anyone else will approach the same subject differently as yeah. a writer yeah, and therefore true. as a reader too yeah, that's true. and some people still wrestle with and you would know this um, from publishing and performing poetry but some people are still baffled by line breaks and you know odd punctuation and yes. they don't quite yes. know how to read it yes, and so right, they feel right. deceived by it they, yeah, think, they, they think it's a trick they, yeah, feel, they, a they don't want to yeah. feel silly that's right because they don't know when they should pause and and sometimes I think that um, I was just sort of just thinking about this now sometimes I think reading hearing a reading can actually be quite um, uh, much as it opens people up to poetry it can also probably be a little bit problematic sometimes and p people go away if that's their first experience and then they read something on the page and they can't get that same voice in their head that yeah or else they only get that same voice in their head yeah, and then true. their own interpretation doesn't have room to true. move into the poem you know yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's kind of a um it's a catch-22 but for me i think the more the more the merrier um so what I do in what I do in classes is, is I often encourage people to read their poetry without any of the backstory mm -hmm. <coughs> and without too much performance, quote unquote, mm -hmm. uh, so that people at least get that experience, the oral experience, as well as the page. But myself, I like to read it on the page first because mm -hmm. um, to me, it's I'm, I don't know, I'm a bit more of a control freak maybe, so I like to be able to, you know, enter it imaginatively before I get any kind of corruption yeah yeah <laughs> so you said writing came first so what writing was it poetry or was it, it stories or well it depends how far yeah, back you want to yeah. go you know well, let's eight. go back um okay so i was eight and my the first thing i can remember writing is a is a terrible um novel i was really i was just interested in, in typing i think more yeah than, more than yeah. writing so i i stole my sister's portable typewriter and stuck a little stool out on the back steps and started typing and I knew novels had chapters, so I, I think it had, you know, three or four different chapters, and, and they were all about shipwrecks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which could have been a reflection on, I don't know. Did, was there a particular source you were sort of aiming really from? I really could, can't know. Because often remember. that happens, people just... It does. Uh, Imitate. Uh, yeah. Like to the point when you look like little kids doing it, where they might actually pretty much rewrite 
Yeah. Something like straight. Fanfic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it wasn't called that then. But. Yeah, no, no, but that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I can't remember that. I, I, I have no idea where the shipwrecks came from, except perhaps my mother and father's marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And then I can remember, you know, as an adolescent, listening to a lot of uh, Leonard Cohen and you know, yeah. Joni Mitchell and stuff, and writing, writing pretty angsty, emotional poems at that point. Um, and luckily, my, my teachers and lecturers at the time weren't rude about them you know mm-hmm. we, they were quite encouraging so I kept writing so did did music come in pretty much in that, in that almost cliche sense of wanting to set your words to songs no, well music had always been because my mum's a singer and my dad's a singer too they're both good singers in fact they met through singing because my dad and his mates got drunk and approached my mother and her mates in a pub and sang them like <laughs> some I don't know song from serenaded them yeah they yeah. serenaded them um, so and my mum is still singing she sings in the Sweet Adelines you know the barbershop yep. yeah, thing, yeah 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 and she's um, she's always loved harmony and singing and, and her sister her sister was actually the first woman in New Zealand to cut a record apparently oh, Tanza wow. right. um, her name's Faye Charlotte she's a country singer. And so they used to sing together, but mum had this incredible nervousness, so she could never sing in public. So I guess it's one of those things where I've taken it a little bit mm-hmm. of a step forward in, in terms of the family legacy or something. And my dad, I mean, we've, you know, my dad's the Māori side of the family, and that stereotype of people, you know, picking up guitars, it's kind of true. My, yeah, my family. ten guitars yeah, and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, yeah, the party, the yeah, party, yeah. end yeah. of the party, start of the party. That's right. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> So I've always had it around me, and uh, and I just and my mum's got this amazing pure kind of voice. She's just angelic. So um, okay, so you yeah, were singing before singing you were thinking about, thinking about yeah, definitely. These poems have got to be yeah. you know on albums. It yeah. wasn't that; it was singing. For, it was singing, yeah. yeah okay. And then uh, and then I ended up um, flatting for a while with Maharatoka, who's Mahina's yeah. sister. Right. And we um, did some tours together, and that. That was when I first started performing on stage as a singer songwriter. So how old were you? Performing? Oh shit, you know, teenager. Old. No or shit, no. Much past um, that. Thirty. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so you're secretly honing, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hoping it's gonna. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I did, I did. Do you I remember the first gig? Do you remember yeah, the, do, hey, was the anxiety around it, oh, like, or oh, afterwards? Was terrible. God damn it. Yeah, I just, I never but, threw up or anything, but it was pretty much like that. Objectively, yeah. which I guess you can't. State, but did it did it go okay on any level, or was it a disaster? It was fine. It was fine. You know, it was fine. Yeah, which means you thought it was a disaster. Which but yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just you know, and when I I remember when I did my first kind of tour, I did we did the North and South Island. Me and this guy Andrew Dalziel, who's a sound engineer but yep. also a photographer, and um and we did this cool uh, set where he would put screens all over the tables and and kind of VJ with his poetry while I did the songs and. I had a scuba tank, I used to sample the sounds of that, and you know, we, we, it was quite cool, it was quite ambitious. We did like 26 gigs or something, and by the end of that, all I could think of was all the chords I'd missed, and all the notes I'd sung wrong, and, mm. you know, so it, this is what brought up to me, oh, perhaps this is actually a bit of a disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you did some things right in those 26 gigs, but somehow they're not sticking, so yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty harsh, but... Over the years, the voice is still there, but it's gotten a bit quieter. Yeah. So where did you grow up? You, you've been in Wellington and around Wellington for a while, but yep. you didn't grow up here. No, I grew up in Whakatane um, initially. Well, we, we lived everywhere. We even lived in Narutonga for six months or so, and my dad was a crash fireman over there at the airport. Mm. Um, and then 
so they split up when I was 14 and that's when I moved to Nelson and uh, that was a big kind of shock in lots of ways. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Varsity at Canterbury for a couple of years, then I travelled. So this is why I didn't do anything else until I was 30. Yeah, yeah. Because I travelled and you know, around Europe and lived in Zimbabwe for a year and yeah. But that's why you can put out books and albums now because you, you were gathering experiences. Yeah, I guess. Although I don't know whether you necessarily have to live a life in order to be able to write well. What do you think? Uh, I think you just need to be good. And, <laughs> and, and, and that can be one of those, yeah, I pretty much agree with you. Like, mm. I think, I, I sort of think storytelling in general comes down to, to one of two things. Either the story is so good mm. that you couldn't possibly fuck it up. Right. Or you are so good as a writer that um, you can make seemingly mundane you know, an, a seemingly sort of run-of-the-mill idea really, mm. really zing off the page, mm. and um, and that, that's sort of it. Okay. That's 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 pretty simple, but yeah. that's sort of how I look at it. And so most people are a combination of those things. That's it, I right. think. Like most people that probably gravitate towards writing, you know, writing as you would know as slog. You've got to sit down and go at it. So you can't, you know, you, you don't wait for inspiration and. You know, inspiration is kind of keeping the power on and, you know, keeping the heating going, that's, you know, and, and making sure there's food around, that's inspiration. But there's still this romantic idea that the writer sits down and when they feel in the mood, um, carves magic and that's rubbish. But I think even the most sort of um, basic sort of person punching a clock writing will have some great ideas throughout there. And we're talking like people that aren't maybe necessarily even deemed to be a creative writer, Some, someone who's a, who's a newspa- old-fashioned newspaper journalist. Mm. There's a lot of really talented creative yeah. creative work going on there that I think probably um, over time has been under underappreciated, yeah. if not underrated. Um, so yeah, I, I, think, I think it is a combination of both. Yeah, I often think that the reason I ended up doing poetry is because I was trained as a journalist right, initially. Right. So that's all about saying as much as you can in as few economy, ways as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Economy. And, uh, and, uh, and the cli- again, the cliche of painting, painting pictures yeah, with painting words, pictures, giving, yeah. putting people right in that place of... It's communication. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people disagree with me that poetry needs to be communication, but um, I don't see any difference. Yeah. I don't see any difference, really. Richard Langston's a good example of, right. you know, a, yeah. a journalist turned poet or poet turned journalist turned yeah. back to poet yeah. and um, and I, I think he does that well yeah and, then, yeah, and obviously there are loads of you know loads of examples and I think that the poetry is an interesting thing with with writers and writing because I kind of feel like every writer um, dabbles in poetry at some point you mm-hmm. talk to them and novelists um, who have only published novels have got poems they yeah. probably don't show anyone yeah <laughs> or maybe they published a couple and thought this was going to go somewhere and yeah. then the reality kicked in what's well, might is an interesting example yeah he's written a couple of awesome poems one about cannibalism which i um which i thoroughly recommend mm. <laughs> not the cannibalism the, so poem. the poem yeah <laughs> um and i said to him because he came and talked to our class the other day and i said please write some more poetry he's like you know it's it's as if yeah, and it was the same with Janet Frame, actually. She thought she was yeah. crap, you know, yeah. not such a good poet, and um, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's often those those standards that you hold yourself to, or the, the neurosis, again, or the anxiety, or whatever it is that keeps you from, from revealing it. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, talking to some um, poets over the years, one of the things that um, people like about pursuing the form is that idea that it, it 
the possibilities are infinite and endless but in terms of sitting down and creation you can you know it's a it can be a finite task you can come yeah. you can a oh, day's yeah. work can result oh, yes. in well, so appealing it's so any appealing. number of poems or just yeah. any number of like whittling away to get what you think at the time is the perfect poem so and this is the thing that I'm finding with writing this longer thing is that the rewards are really delayed yeah, yeah. so um, <laughs> yeah, I've just been so spoiled with, with the poetry and I'm having to I'm just having to zoom right out and really grow up you know on mm. lots of levels as a writer because that stuff is really put off till the very end you know if there's any at all mm -hmm. go back to your first book came out in 10 years ago 11 years ago yeah yeah and what what I, I sort of checked that out again recently because I remember when that was released and I think again this idea I have of you being you know at least this dual role is around the idea that that seemed to me a pretty audacious debut poetry project it's a it's it's a book that's also an artwork essentially it looks like you know it looks like an art book it's got lovely pictures in it and cut the design it's got a cd so whilst it's um readings it's still that music idea you know tagging that idea of you as performer if not singer songwriter and then of course it's got the the poems in it um yeah it just it just seemed like a big pump and everyone says poetry doesn't pay and <laughs> poet you know it's hard and there are small yeah. print runs um so what was the thinking behind going out big like that? Right, so um, this is the thinking behind that. And it's not so much thinking as a ridiculous coincidence. Right. Because um, what happened was Vigo Mortensen was involved in the printing yes. publishing. Yes, yeah, yeah, right? well, I was going to ask about that yeah. too. Yeah, so uh, essentially he was he was doing a gig to say thank you to Wellington for That's right. know, being so awesome, etc. And Bill Manhire. He really fell in love with the place. And he fell in love with Bill Manhire. Yeah, yeah. And his poetry, he yeah. was such a fangirl about yeah. Bill, which yeah. was awesome. Uh, so so he did this gig and we were his backup act, me and Tusiasa Avi and Cliff Fell. Yeah. And he heard my stuff and said he'd like to publish it. And um, I I didn't believe him at first actually. Um, but then I realised he actually does have a publishing house and yeah. so he uh, he basically funded it. VUP had accepted it already. Mm. Uh, God bless them. Mm. Um, but then they decided to do this co publication and because he's he's got a little bit of, you know, money yeah. He and he mainly does art books. Yes, I was gonna say he yeah. does he's he's quite the Renaissance man. He is quite the Renaissance man. And so, people have sort of joked about that as well as celebrated that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, it yeah. became a, a shorthand for any actor that yeah. goes off to do other things. Yeah. And um, but um, he's done photography books he particularly, has. hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he publishes uh, a lot of um, indigenous writers, actually indigenous artists. Yeah. So it wasn't outside of his realm either. And so I was actually really impressed with him. He was so attentive, and he he seriously looked through the manuscript and sent me suggestions. And he wasn't just being the you know. How long did that relationship last for? Like a long you were in touch with him in any yeah. way? Well, not so much now, but like for years, I would just come home and there'd be a massive box of books on my wow on my steps that he just sent me the ones they just you know yeah it was awesome and they were always beautiful. Just books. new titles he was releasing yeah, and things. Like, wow, know. yeah, check these out. Yeah. So he looked after his writers he really kind of did. thing. He, he really did. He sort of had a little stable and, and perhaps still does. And, and yeah. Wow. So I was really impressed with him. And also I was impressed that the first thing he did when he met me was pull out his dictaphone and say, um, could you please translate this into Māori for me because I want to say it on the red carpet. So 
it was some kind of mahi to you yeah. know, Wellington or whatever, and so I did, and he fully did it, like at what? the premiere of Lord of the Rings. And he wanted to obviously wanted Busted to get it, it right. Out. Yeah, he wanted to get it right. Wise, yeah, in meeting by hearing him, a, uh, you know someone who could speak, not yeah. just to having it phonetically written out for him. Yeah, and I mean I am a second language learner, so I'm not an sure. expert, but um, but you're better than him, and you're better than if you ask me. You know, <laughs> possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, he I was impressed by that too. I guess by the politics of it as well as the um, professionalism of it, and yeah, and and also he was he's like yeah, he had this barrier of people around him, and it was it looked like he's living a crazy life, you know, mm. um, trying to f- squeeze creativity in there as well. Mm. Uh, but he still has priorities, you know, that he wanted to, to do himself. So, yeah. I was, anyway, so that's how come the book ended up being as flash as it is. So what became the most hated poet in New Zealand. I was going to say, <laughs> well, first of all, I was going to say, so what you, was, what you slipped in there was that VUP had accepted it. Yes. So it would have come out in a, albeit mm-hmm. slightly different format, format yeah. Yeah. if he had not jumped at the chance to involve himself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love those, I love these books too. The VUP do awesome covers and... You know, God, I wasn't. Mm. It wasn't like I would have been disappointed. I mean, you just as a first-time poet, oh. you're like, is anyone ever going to even read these yes, poems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Publish them for God's sake. Because and yeah, poetry is so daunting. You, you to to so many people. Yeah, you don't right. even have that security that your friends oh, and family shit. might read no. it and tell you it's great. They're, they're <laughs> exactly. the ones that could actually be petrified exactly. by it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, part of my mission and since then has actually been demystifying that a little bit and. Um, I don't know, getting people to be a bit more playful with, with their interpretations. I want to go back and explore um, being the most hated poet in yeah. New Zealand. That's completely... Is that something that you actually felt? No one's ever said that to me, but I think I would have <laughs> Did really you think hated it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would have, yeah. Because it is that strangely competitive, um, you know, writers bond with other writers and, and, and feed off other writers and become friends, but it is that strangely competitive yeah. and because it's such a... Um, because it's so hard. Cause yeah. It's such a tough way to eke out a, not just a living but a place in the world. So that's why you know whenever there are funding rounds for music and and you know you know this probably better than I do because I've never applied for funding but I've 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 followed the lists and been critical of mm, people that do. Mm. So it's a tricky system because everyone actually wants a grant. Because, yeah. You know, or certainly everyone that applies for one, they'd sure, love yeah. one, they need it. Yeah. And so then they get a little bitter about certain people getting it over others. So I, I could imagine that you felt that way about that book. Like, yeah. my debut collection is co-published in America that's by a fa- by a famous yeah. <laughs> Renaissance man slash actor. I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but you didn't get too much grief. No, I didn't, which was... You know, apart from internally, You're apart own, from my yeah, own, yeah, yeah, I yeah. give myself all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was amazing, and shit, I wouldn't trade it. You but know? you put out a record the same year. I did. I put out a record the same day. Yeah, actually. yeah, So, so yeah. you're already sort of um, have this ambitious book that suggests there's more to you than just some not you know not there's anything wrong with someone who just writes words, mm-hmm. but there's more to you than that. It's showing more than one side of creativity, and then there's also an album. The same day. I just thought I just couldn't be bothered organising more than one launch. To be honest. <laughs> did the album suffer? <coughs> or did the album suffer as a result? Or did I think it they, I think they helped each other really. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have massive expectations mm-hmm. of um, of anything I put out. Probably, I should have slightly higher expectations than I do. But yeah. I, I I guess I've been schooled in the poetry thing. So um, that, that thing of like just honoured that anyone reads you at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't think I don't think they suffered. I think I think they were they were helped by each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the album and the book. 
that seems now thinking about it that that's you know just just over a decade ago that's the real arrival of you as a I guess a name on the circuit you know you're, you're invited to more readings you turn up to things like the poetry day yeah, stuff yeah. and um, end up you know are on the bill with other writers and on starting you know t- tours and yeah 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 is yeah. that, that very was, much that the case a, yeah that was yeah. A, that was the beginning really well or I, I guess you could say that doing the MA was the beginning sure <clears throat> because because um, that's where you built those yeah or even getting into that, the MA yeah, yeah. you know um, which was astonishing so uh, it, it, during that year you kind of learned So what to, year did you do it? 2002 2002, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you learned, uh, big thing for me was I just learned to... And you were concentrating totally on poetry in the oh, Well actually I started out with short stories and then in April Bill and I looked at each other and went, what, what am I doing? So <laughs> right. I changed to poetry then. Um, were you yeah. able to translate some of those things you would have been able to few, pull? Yeah, yeah, a few. Crip some ideas and Crip some ideas, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I did. After that, I focused totally on poetry, and that was good. Yeah, but I was still doing gigs at the same time, yeah. and you know, yeah. as you do, bit of a show off, I think. Yeah. A ridiculously nervous, anxious show off. So I never quite lost that thing of wanting to be on stage and also wanting never to be on stage again. Yeah. It's so funny how many performers, I think musical performers particularly, talk about or or just in their actions show that they're very. A completely different person off stage, very shy, or when they talk about how it takes a lot for them to get up there, or it's best they don't think about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so they just do it and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating what draws people to. It's almost like sometimes, it. yeah. Sometimes I think my my whole life has been a process of working out what things really terrify me, mm-hmm. and then just slowly taking them off one by one. Mm-hmm. So what what did you think? We, because it's different. The answer could be different to what it actually is. But what did you think was your were your prime influences and motivations to push on into writing? Say pre the MA, or even if that's when you're really sort of taking it seriously and you've got a pitch for that, you've got to put in your proposal for that. What was driving you to do it? To do it and to to explore yourself and express yourself that way. Uh, I think in the end, two things. A love of sound, and language in particular, that gives me the kind of ridiculous thrill that nothing else does. Yeah. I, and also a teacher of mine at Waimea College in Nelson, um, my English teacher, who was incredibly enthusiastic about what I wrote. Yeah. It came down to those two things. Everyone needs, it seems like everyone has that, needs that, that one person that's, yeah. that's quite external, you know, yeah. it's one thing for a family member to... Yeah, no. And often, actually, people don't get that. <laughs> but it's yeah, one thing for the yeah. family member to go, "Hey, keep doing that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. You need that sort of teacher role, mentor." Janet Hart is her name, and she uh, she also did a lot of creative writing exercises with us in seventh form. So intelligent stuff like uh, she would get us to read Fleur Aycock poem and then take out all the nouns and put our own nouns in. You know, take right. all the verbs, put, all the, put our own verbs in. Yeah, and and that. Oh, it just opened up a door for me. Mm. Yeah, incredible. So when did you get involved in teaching and think that you might...? Actually, I got involved in teaching when I was living in London and I um, I was teaching English as a second language. Mm. Or I, le- I did a course in there and then mm. I lived in Africa and taught there. Lived in Zimbabwe and taught, taught typing to Mozambican government officials wow. who didn't speak English. And they were changing from Portuguese to English as their official language. So and that was... 
a lot of laughs actually. Um, and then uh, when I got back, it was an income stream, you know. And yeah. uh, and so I just I've pursued that over the years. I I've just finished a course for continuing education at Vic called Tension and Release in Poetry, which I wrote and delivered for the first time. That was really interesting. I used lots of... Satisfying? Yeah, really satisfying. Um, hard work, but I, I decided to bring in a lot of examples from other disciplines, dance, and um, mm -hmm. I've, I've just finished, or I'm in the process of finishing David Byrne's book, How Music Works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm going to a little bit of that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and your yeah, dance and architecture and photography and lots of different ways that that you can um, create yeah create expectations in, a, in an audience and then either fulfil them or not fulfil them technically emotionally content wise intellectually all of those things so it was a great it was a great three Saturdays yeah 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 can you um, describe apart from starting off doing short stories and then getting sort of working out with Bill that you needed to do poetry or that you should be doing poetry can you sort of describe because I think still people have and correct me if I'm wrong but people still have ideas around creative writing as something that you learn and particularly that MA course yeah 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 um what was that what was that course like for you what did it mean and 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 I don't want to say what did you get out of it, but but how did the structure of it suit you? Yeah, it was. Um, it's based on an Iowa model, the Iowa mm -hmm. Writers Workshop, which is the oldest writing workshop and probably the most famous in the Western mm -hmm. world, anyway. Um, and so, what you do is you present your work, you read it aloud, and then you shut up while everybody else um, discusses and that's it. About right? a dozen people. It's about a dozen people. Yeah. And the idea behind it is that you're kind of approaching the text as the text, not with all the backstory and all the kind of baggage that might come with that text. And therefore you're going to get a more authentic, arguably, or more, at least more honest, possibly fresher, and even more delightful sometimes, bunch of feedback from people who are experiencing it for the first time. They're yeah. not kind of contaminated by your, um, by your interpretation of your own work. Yeah. Even just saying things like, Oh, I just dashed this off last night. You know, that's going to have an effect on people. Yes. Like, oh well, I, I, I don't know if I want to put much energy into this piece. Or, or wow, I really liked it. Is that does that mean something about my taste? You know, mm. um, so that's the model that we worked on, and it could be harsh sometimes. Uh, the feedback you receive. The feedback, uh, because at the beginning of the year, especially, you're not that great at giving feedback, and yeah. you don't know how to language it. You know, so you might yeah. just say, oh, this is shit, or. Uh, someone said, I think when you change the font here, that's kind of fucking around, you know, mm. just fucking around. And actually she was totally right. Mm. But it was the first workshop of the year, and I was the first workshopee, so it was hard out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how get, yeah, how much does that feedback change? Because obviously, to begin with, people probably are, in some cases, holding back because they're not used to, particularly in New Zealand, that yep. kind of style of yep. learning and that yep. kind of environment. But also, you don't know each other yeah. at all, and yeah. then obviously, as the year goes on, you get to know, know each other, and little groups must form, like you know, just socially, like yeah, yeah. certain people get on with people, so they socialise outside of the um, class. How does that change the way the feedback is delivered and and the intensity of it? Of it, um, it didn't didn't seem to get any less intense as the year went yeah. on, uh, and it certainly didn't get less useful. Um, it's different articulation yeah different articulation and I guess as the trust built you yeah. 
And you, you also, because from reading everybody else's work, which you also have yeah, to you're do, building up. you build up an, a, an idea of what they, of their aesthetic, you know. Yeah, and, where they're and, going, what yeah, they're trying to pursue. That's right. Yeah. And ideally you're helping them to become more themselves than they Because this, this is this thing people, I think, suggest, you know, it can't be taught because they think, um, you know, every writer's different, everyone's trying to do a different thing. But yeah. there are still mechanics and there are, there, are some are, basic there are rules yeah, yeah. that you are, perhaps it's that thing where there are rules to learn before you break go ahead and break them and that sort of thing. Yeah. But we don't there are never any sessions whereby Bill would sit down and go, Okay, so we're gonna learn some guidelines about yeah, writing sure, today sure. ever. So um so the idea that we all come out sounding like Bill or it's, yeah. it's just kinda of ludicrous. Uh, every single year is filled with such different characters and different writers and they're the ones who speak the most? I can I can hardly remember Bill saying anything. Yeah. In the in the courses, he would just hold that space and occasionally, like once a class, maybe put in a comment about one piece, and we we'd all go, oh. mm. because it held a lot of weight because of who he was, but also because he recognised a good teaching moment, I guess. Yeah. And he would be able to just say one or two things, and that would have a really massive ripple effect for us. Learning how to critique was just as important because. The whole time you're writing, you need to be able to look critically at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so by learning that, by practicing on other people, you're also practicing for your own editing, you know. And I, I guess it prepares you a little bit for that actual moment of external reviews. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, yeah. you know, a year down the track you release something or you perform and it's written about or a person comes up and gives you feedback that doesn't know you. Totally. I mean, well, I, we've had a writing group ever since 2003, um, me and some other colleagues, friends, women, yeah. and um, we are hard out with our feedback. Yeah. Because why, why now, now? Why not? You know, yeah. so, yeah, we, no prisoners. But does that still bring up some pretty... Sometimes. Awkward moments yeah, that, sometimes. Then, that then have to be sort of dealt with or worked through. We just leave each other alone for a bit, mm. come back the next week. So you get, you get a bit fucked off kind of thing. Sometimes. It has happened, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But, but now I wouldn't be without it. Shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you Has that happened to you personally and do you go away and go sort of like what you said before because this seems to be often the way, the harshest feedback that, you know, that's delivered... Um, it usually hurts because I think the person can recognise straight away, shit, they're onto something. And yep. then you, when you do go away and think about it, you're like, actually, they were they right. They were right. They were, the, the even if they didn't maybe yeah, finesse it as how well they, they could. could. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think the key for me is that it's often how it's delivered, you know. And if you get the sense that someone's being thoughtful and careful about mm -hmm. your work, but they're just a bit clumsy with how they're expressing themselves, that's really different mm -hmm. to someone actually just dissing you yeah, you yeah. Know? so coming um, in with a machete yeah with a machete yeah so nowadays actually all the reviews I've had I've been like wow you're so lovely <laughs> compared to my writing group you know yeah. like it's not like my writing group are hideous um but they <laughs> they won't they just sort of don't need you off the hook yeah um yeah. so reviews have been a largely a very a very rewarding experience for me I'm like wow cool that's that's awesome you so you, this. you read them you most of the time most yeah. of the time yeah but I don't feel kind of one way or the other about them I, yeah, I yeah, um yeah. oh yeah because I, I think people who say they don't read them are generally lying I think I, I'm sure there are people who really don't yeah but I also think in this day and age it's pretty hard to avoid yeah, feedback we, yeah, about feedback, you know about yeah. yourself like for, for me 
like I review people and then there's criticism about what I say yeah. and I'm fine with that yeah. and I in, in terms of things that I manage like my Facebook pages and my blog mm-hmm. then obviously I see that criticism and choose whether to respond to it or not but if it happens somewhere else um, like say the New Zealand, New Zealand Herald writes something that mentions me or, or I'm mentioned in a forum or whatever and I don't read that it comes back to me like yeah, someone yeah. sends it to me yeah, yeah. and before as you're making the decision oh, I don't really need to see this you've read it you know yeah, <laughs> you look yeah. at it and go well, why someone sent this to me yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's not a big deal yeah. but what I'm saying is I couldn't avoid it kind of Even if, if I tried, tried. Yeah. and that, so that must be the case for people writing um, you know writing books and you know yeah. someone will thinks they're doing you a favour. Hey, did you see this? Yeah. And you're like, actually, I was trying to avoid that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Didn't really want to read that review. Yeah, yeah. So I think that must happen a lot for people. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, maybe less so in poetry because mm. just fewer people review them. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Which is, so any time anyone's going to put that amount of effort into reviewing a book I wrote, I'm like, sweet. Mm. Say whatever you want in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel strong enough about the work. I'm already, I've moved on, you know, mm. like, I'm, it's not, it's but, a, it's but have you had a situation where you've really oh, had, yeah. like because I I'm I, I'm guessing writers it can happen where someone makes assumptions about their personal yep. life or yep. uses uh, language that is sort of is tantamount to a slur. Yeah. And have, have you experienced I've never that? I've had that in a reviewer. Yeah. But I've had it in. Um, in another context, uh-huh. from a really well-known writer, right? Yeah, who I adored and idolised. Wow. Yeah, I and don't know this. Yeah, okay. yeah. I went to bed for a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah, and then I got up. <laughs> what was the context around it? What was um, the delivery of it? How did how did the whatever was said come to upset you? And what yeah what was the situation it was in an academic context yeah. and um so this person was charged with kind of doing a bit of a report on something i'd written uh-huh. and um i just thought it was careless and personal yeah. um i then arranged for um that same piece of work to be kind of adjudicated by somebody else yeah. so that i got some sense of was this just a bad day that person was yeah, having yeah and the second person didn't love it either, but yeah. was so useful to me. Right, you know, in different terms approach. Of, yeah, totally different, different approach. approach. And so I could take those lessons and move into the next uh-huh. project, you know. Um, so you just felt essentially hurt by the first I did. piece. Like, it, this is not helpful. No, because it, didn't, it wasn't. Yeah, it hasn't pointed out things that I could work on. It's no, just not said, at all. Um, this, this is, is rubbish this and here's one and not yeah. even here's why yeah not so even much. here's why okay. yeah so it's always about the why for me like when, yeah. I'm, when I'm running workshops now with, with the writers because I use that model now myself yeah. in my classes yeah. I always when people say oh I really like that first verse Frederick or whoever it is that they're feeding yeah. to um, I'll say and why yeah. and they'll go oh because it reminds me of my childhood or how have they achieved that you know, so I, I'm just trying to keep drilling down into the useful stuff for a writer, mm-hmm. and that and that is where workshopping can be really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can get to that because statement. Yeah. What was the outcome with this situation? I don't want to press it. <laughs> I, I, what I, what I'm curious about is, as you said, you, you know, I went to bed for a couple of weeks. You were hurt. Um, what did it mean in terms of? You said you were a fan of this person's work. Oh, How did that change? Gone. No, not at all. Still, okay. love, still love the okay. work. Okay, yeah. all right, well that's pretty Yeah, totally love it. Because it can kill that 
Oh yeah, no, no. Kind of thing. I mean, what it did do is it schooled me that um, a writer as a person is completely different to absolutely <laughs> their writing. Yeah, um, that's good, why good that's reason. why I'm interested in this because I've had yeah. a, I've had a couple of similar sort okay, of situations. So yeah, right, yeah, okay. and, and I like to think that you go, well, I, you know, what actually attracted me to that work yeah. was the work. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly, yeah. and. Nothing doesn't matter what they way say, way. And, yeah. and what they were saying was ultimately about my work, not yeah. me. me. Yeah. And so that's what has to happen. But it's sometimes, pretty. Sometimes it's about them too. Like, absolutely. You know, sometimes about As you yeah. say, it's about that bad day. The kind or, of day they've been having, yeah. or, or the kind of um, season they've been having in their own creativity. Yes. You know, that can, well, that can be vicious. This must be really hard with, um, because I've, 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 I've found this with thinking about book reviews. Now, now I've written some book reviews. But I wouldn't really call myself a book reviewer. I guess I'm a music reviewer, if anything. Mm. But I have written book reviews and, and other reviews. But book reviews tend to be written by writers, um, yep. actual writers who have books out and are often so in that same field as to basically be contemporaries and competing for space. Sure, sure. And that's helpful in so many ways because they understand the process. Yeah. And but. You know, there've been some. Obviously, there've been some great literary rivalries, and in New Zealand, there've been some. You know, great sort of people. People who follow writing in New Zealand know about these legendary sort of exchanges of letters on the listener yeah. and, and so forth. Yeah. But I always sort of wonder, like, I I kind of feel, you know, books aren't released for writers; they're released for readers. Really? So I don't know why the qualification instantly for a book reviewer needs to be someone who's published in in that field. It could be a voracious reader who can string a sentence together who, you know, is across that subject. Totally. Um, it's funny. And I know some are, like, yeah, yeah. you know, but it's just interesting to me that people will go, people will argue that a book reviewer's opinion might mean less because that person, well, they don't write poetry, you know, or they don't, you know, I've heard that sort of come up and it's... Well, it's funny because the other, the other night we had the Māori Book Awards and um, my book was a finalist along with an anthology of Māori poetry, which is awesome, um, and the anthology one, which it totally should have. Yeah. But um, a, a minister who shall remain nameless stood up at the beginning of the ceremony and talked about how she really didn't get my book, you know, wow. and um, she wasn't even one of the judges. And uh, and I came away thinking that was weird. Like she, yeah, she didn't wow. need to say that. She didn't need to say that, and she didn't say it about any other box. But then I was like, she's not my target audience, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think people. Well, should was be... there some personal story there that you? I've like, got no idea. I've got no idea. You haven't had dealings with this. No, no. Person but I mean, it's it's this this book. Like, yeah. It's not for everybody. Sure. You know? It's not for everybody, and so, um, yes, I agree that that. Readers, readers are should be encouraged to review things, yeah. um, and I guess you could argue they are now more than ever. Totally, with, because you of know, the, platforms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, people do Internet, that in their own blogs yeah, yeah, and yeah, Amazon course, and Goodreads and yeah, and that stuff. And and you see, I find it. I actually, I bet most I'm, writers will you know check the Amazon page about themselves and the Goodreads. You know, I just be grateful if there was one, you know, <laughs> um, frankly. But um, I don't feel my poetic self-esteem is strong, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't feel any more kind of derailed by, by any of that. But mm. musically, I would be, I would, I still don't have that self-esteem musically, so okay. I would probably be more swayed by by bad review. The power of the sort of individual voice is, to me, seems to come across so much stronger in, in a discipline like poetry. Like, people can think that what they're doing is singular in music, 
but often it's not. Someone's done it before them, yep. and they and they are either aping it so ridiculously that they're not aware of it, or they are blissfully unaware that you know a person made that kind of music and sounded exactly like that maybe three decades before them. But right. in, in writing, I think there's more chance that a person is actually, for better and worse, ploughing down a path by themselves. Do you think, or why is I that? Do, I don't know. I, I, I should, maybe I shouldn't have said that because I can't back it up. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about from my own listening and my own reading. Sure. I just feel, and, and I guess from applying some, um, attempting to apply some critical acumen to them both, I just, I, obviously there are writers that rip other writers off and obviously there are writers that don't do it as well and, and are exposed and, and there's cases of plagiarism and all that but what I mean is I think what I mean is there's more chance that you can find your voice in poetry and find that it is uniquely your own mm -hmm. than in music because um, it's it's just a feel that I have is that sure it doesn't mean that we're finished with coming up with original music there's never been more sure. music and I think more great music than, than right now okay. and there's so many colours and flavours yeah. and things happening but at the same time um, the idea of a song to me seems you know I'm not I don't actually know if it would be a bad thing if there weren't any more songs in the world uh -huh. I think there are enough great songs and sometimes you, I you think can do something with that you know yeah, you can sometimes I even think it wouldn't be a bad thing if there weren't any more words in the world well so exactly you know, sometimes I wake up and think what language again yeah, more yeah. language Jeez, do we really need more I've, I've wasted far too fucking so um yeah so that's when I go back to sound really yeah, and, yeah. and the purity of that that is the thing that takes me back to the page weirdly okay um yeah so what is it about the voice and sound for the poem with you, and and you've done as you've done CDs of sort of poems with field recordings or just live performance, and what is it about that that appeals, and what are you trying to add to that canon? I guess. I I guess I'm 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 not trying to add anything to the canon. I'm trying to purely and utterly selfishly experience this feeling that I get in my body yeah. when I think. I've done a good job of something artistically. <laughs> That's all I care about. I'm just purely out for myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really, totally. Um, occasionally, I mean, one of the main That's reasons. <laughs> yeah, one of the main reasons I do gigs is because arguably that's not so much fun for me. Is that um, I feel I feel like sometimes yeah you need to be a decent steward of your own gifts. So uh -huh. I've got this singing voice that seems to be. Uh, important for some people actually yeah. and and you know there'll be at least a person in the audience who cries and for me that's like whoa shit you know that's that's some heavy stuff obviously that's going mm. on for that person mm. Mm. because I'm opening my mouth in this way yeah so um, as, as happy as it might sound I kind of I, that's one of the main reasons why I do gigs is because I think something about this voice that I have resonates for somebody in ways that that you know are helpful sometimes yeah mm. yeah um, you've you've um, no stranger to the um, writer in residence, and obviously there's something I'm just, about. I'm just going from one. I'm just well, you are at the from moment. one residence to the other. You are at the moment, but I was going to say you I'm mentioned just, the Iowa thing. So yeah. you, then you actually went over and did the Iowa workshop. Well, no, I didn't do the Iowa workshop. It's a sister program uh, to that yeah. called the International Writing Program, uh -huh. which was started by the wife of the guy who started the Iowa workshop. Right. Okay. And the idea behind it is to bring um, writers from lots of different countries, nationalities, cultures, languages together. Mm. Mm. Um, every year they, they have at least 30 or 40. 
I don't know how they do it. There's only like three staff doing all this wow. every year. Um, people from Uzbekistan and Poland and Belarus and mm, you know New Zealand. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and then they, they we do readings, we do uh, lectures, we do tours, we, we travel. It's a massive program actually. Mm, yeah. Mm. So we, I didn't get a whole bunch of writing done, I have to say. But there are some Iowa poems in this book. Um, and... You're in Brisbane? Brisbane, yep. Just oh. residing all over the place. Me, yeah. just residing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Brisbane and Queensland for three months. And again, that was um, a combination of, of being in the city. And then they, they had the 100-year celebrations of Queensland as a state. Mm -hmm. So they put a whole bunch of us riders on a steam train and sent us out into the outback. So we went to little communities and libraries and schools and, and did all sorts of interesting mm. stuff in the, in the desert. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then it was, what, the most recent one is last year? At Vic, yeah. And that's a full year. It is. And what, again, what are your real obligations there? You've, you've got to come away with this, yeah. you know, the guts of a project you that you've yeah. agreed. And what else? Do you, do you have to do... You don't have to do any teaching. You don't have to do any... But you can. But you do, yeah. yeah you end you up. kind of do out of politeness and <laughs> yeah. because it's fun yeah. um, to interact with, with the MA students, for example. And yeah. Um, so you essentially have an office up at the uni yeah. that you go and punch the clock in, yeah. like you go and sit and do your work. Yeah, and it's right next to the workshop room. So, um, and I, I'm, a, I'm weird in that I like having company when mm -hmm. I'm writing. So I often leave my door open, or my cousin would come and just write with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it suited me. It really suited me. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And you go from that now to you've just had. A bit of time out before you go. Go to Berlin, yeah. Wow. I know, I know, right? Well, this is the thing. I tried to have kids for like five or six years. I couldn't do that, mm. and so my that was really sad for me. And um, I've still got massive hang-ups about that. So where's so, that? Have you decided nah, that, that doesn't? Have you yeah. definitively found out or decided that's not going to happen? Well, I'm 47. Yeah. And I'm nearly 48, so yeah. I just don't think that's going to happen. So yeah. at least not biologically. So um, yeah, no, I've let that go as much as you can ever let that go. But um, now I'm I'm kind of forcing myself to focus on the things I can do that I, I probably couldn't have done if I had a baby. Yeah. yeah. And one of them is travelling around. Which is something you've done. Yeah. Something you've done anyway. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I do have a, I have a border collie, so yeah. you know, some responsibility there. <laughs> but um, but it's not the same. And and well, yeah, what's like, going to happen with him or her? Him, um, he is going to be looked after by <coughs> a few people. I share him okay. with my ex, and he he's in great demand. He's oh, okay. in great demand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Handsome guy. Yeah. Um, so he's, I've got a few caregivers for him, but um, it's not anywhere near the same as if I had a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I can just blim and jump on a plane and, and spend a year in Berlin if yeah. I want. Mm. And are you going to be, what do you know of the language? Nothing. Not or have you started? Not yeah, I've started. My mum's ancestors are German. Okay. Um, they come from Bavaria, which is arguably not Germany. But um, yeah, so I had a little bit of my childhood and, and um, and I've I've learned it a few times. I've I've the Goethe Institute have generously given me a scholarship to learn some German over the year. Wow. And I'm gonna be doing it full time when I first get there actually. So yeah. yeah. Immerse yourself with it too. Deutschland. Yeah. 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 Wow. And so you haven't been there before? I have. Yeah. I've been I've been yeah. to Germany a couple of times and then I've been to Berlin for a week. Um 
when Kate Camp was the writer in yes, actually. Yeah. So um, I was going to say you, you're joining some pretty good. I know, right? Uh, company, yeah, you know, yeah, the last one. Company Shit. here too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Lloyd Jones. Was yeah, he one of the Jones, first? Yeah. Yeah. Heck. Yeah, don't remind me about that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, so yeah, so I've been there and I loved I loved Berlin. I really the thing I loved most about it was how laid back it is. You know, capital city. Mm. I didn't expect it. it um, people walk a lot slower. Um, yeah, it just seems really relaxed. So I'm mm. looking forward to that. Mm, mm. We, really, you think like New Zealand's got this reputation for being all you know. Antipodean and yeah. whatever, but we run from yes. freaking project to project. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and so then, what? And as much as you can, what happens after Berlin? You have to come back here, I do, and yeah. you're fine with that, obviously. I am totally. You know, and so it'll be what a year or so of hunkering back down, and then yeah. potentially hitting the ring for another. Um, Shit, I don't know. Job of this nature, of course. I don't know. That people are probably thoroughly sick of getting <laughs> fucking. Well, I was going to say, are you, are you running the risk of being, in your mind, most hated poet in New Zealand again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Is I've that watched, three residencies in a row that does that? Or? Something like that. Yeah. 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 I just have to be like sickeningly nice outside of it, Simon. You know. Yeah, yeah. So people go. Really, she, does, she actually deserves such it. Such a nice person. She, she actually deserves, deserves it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so what I want to do when I get, I mean, the f to realistically, the first couple of months when I get there is going to be um, is going to be settling in and also doing some marking for the work I've been sure. teaching here because um, I'm doing two courses up at Vic as well. Um, and then the last few months will be a, a bit of a focus on getting some work when I get back. Yes. And, yeah. and and your Berlin sort of project is going to be a continuation essentially of of what you started. Yeah. I'm going to finish that memoir. Can we talk about that book a bit? Sure. Because um, I, I mean, I read a little bit about it, I think maybe when you first got the residency at Vic, and it sounded like a, a pretty interesting project. It's interesting also because it's not poetry. And so no. now you're, you know, you're getting ready to sort of scratch that itch again. But um, how long, it's a memoir, and it's a memoir about your family, so you as well. Um, how long have you lived with it? Um, as a book, you know, uh, obviously you've lived time. with it a long yeah, time. Yeah. Probably I wanted to start writing it maybe 10 years ago. Right. Um, when my father first started really talking to me about this orphanage experience of his and Nelson. Um, but then it didn't really, I knew it was going to be massive and emotional, so I wanted to So he was to bullied, abused? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. The yeah. nuns. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Just not, not good. Um, but also kind of the best and worst of times, you know, he tells mm. the stories the way he tells them. So he has some fondness for uh, some of his situations from that time? or No, I wouldn't no. say he has any fondness whatsoever. In fact, he often says, when we drive, when we've driven past that building, you know, I swore to you, I swore to myself that I would never go back to this building right. unless okay. I was going to set fire to it all the way it, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, no fondness, but he, um, it, it was... Oh, Character building is a ridiculous thing to say, but it's, sure. it's made him person he is in many, yes. many ways, uh, in good ways and bad ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a storyteller, you know, he's yeah. a bit of a raconteur, so yeah. he, um, he, he got into the situation where he was the nemesis of one of the nuns and she was his. Right. So, um, so that's the, the essential relationship, I think, and, and, and her name was Mother Basilis. So yeah. he did some, he pulled some pretty interesting pranks on her. Uh, <laughs> Well, you're talking about a time in New Zealand. I, oh, yeah. I, I feel like this this story. You know what interested me about it too was 
this story is, in this case, it's your father's, but it's not just your oh, father's. And so you'll have so many people tell you that when the book, you, you will have had that already. Absolutely, already, so many. Yeah. yeah kind of which puts, Which puts, no doubt, um, some huge pressure on you, but yeah. also makes you know that this is a, a valuable to thing going, to be yeah, doing outside yeah. of understanding myself and my family. Totally, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, the, that's the thing. I, I didn't before now really, I guess, have the maturity or the context for it. So, although I'm not writing a history book, mm. because that's not what I do, mm. um, it will have resonances for, you know, I guess, for that historical moment in New Zealand and the way children were treated, for example. Uh, it will have resonances in a religious context for the way the Catholic Church has been run and, and is hopefully changing. Um, mm. Hopefully there won't be too many legal resonances. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, certainly emotionally for my family and for me, for sure. Um, what sort of, were there particular texts that you've looked at to go, yeah. this is going to be helpful, this right, is... Right from, um, uh, you know, Catholic Church written biographies of uh, Antoine Garin, who was the French priest who came out here and arguably started Catholic education in New Zealand. Uh, and he started the orphanages that mm. led to that orphanage. Um, interesting guy. Uh, I've read a lot of memoir. Um, yeah, I was thinking yeah. like memoir seems to have um, turned a bit of a corner recently too into this um, memoir of experience. You know, I, I guess arguably that's what a memoir is in a sense, mm -hmm. but it's less of a, a life snapshot. Yeah. Um, you know, a portrait of a, a particular thing, rather a, a honing in on. Uh, emotional experiences. Yeah, and like I, I can't bring that part of my brain to it too much. I mm -hmm. have to, I've, I've for some reason wanted to tell the dad's story and then the story of me trying to have a baby together. Mm -hmm. um, and I have no idea why, artistically it's quite hard, but my cousin said to me maybe it's because like traditionally um, when, a, when a baby died they'd be buried with an elder, you know, so it's uh -huh. kind of like giving um, giving the stories a bit of company. Yeah, yeah. well I guess, I guess also just, I mean, just hearing about this now, like, put simply, it's all lineage, isn't it? It's just, it's all about, it's, it's all about exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that, that, that's definitely one of the reasons that, that it works. Mm. Um, but the other reason is that, uh, I think they both, I think they both need a break from, you know, the reader's going to need a break from these stories. Gonna, I was just going to say, yeah. it's nice that you're breaking up yeah, heart, heartbreak yeah. with heartbreak. I <laughs> know, oh, totally heartbreaking, miserable yeah. fucking <laughs> memoir with miserable memoir. But um, I think it wouldn't work to um, to put together two stories that don't have the same kind of measure on the Richter mm -hmm. scale or something, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's all about, for me, I don't understand everything about the book at all. And I, hopefully I won't, even by the time I've finished, because otherwise it would be boring for me to mm -hmm. write it. I, mm -hmm. I, I do bow down to structure a little bit more with this because shit, it's it's a long work and you have to have some kind of scaffolding that mm -hmm. I haven't had to have with my poetry book. So mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for writers who are helping me with that, mentors who are helping me with that aspect of it. But I still don't want to just work out a chapter plan for it and then fill in the blanks because then that would be just, I might as well it's just, I just want to die mm. boring Wow, I mean, it's um, it's it's so much bigger than just writing some poems Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah I don't care what anyone says, poetry books are hard but Yeah, 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 hard. that's, that's <laughs> absolutely, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean and that's, that's not to, you know minimize, yeah, yeah, sure. minimize poetry because, uh, like, you know 
uh, I've made some attempts at it and it's fucking hard work you know like so I know that on a, on a, on a and what I do with it really is just sort of fuck around with it and have fun with it yeah. but, but even that you sort of stare at the blank page for long enough doing that so yeah it's, and, it's and I've done other forms of writing you know booklet sort of projects where that is just a completely different even when, like in my case, I was interviewing people and I had notes to write up and I had the structure was decided and yeah. it was sort of mini essays and, yeah. and I could always be getting on with something. Yeah. It's still gruelling to sit down and, really hammer, it, and yeah. hammer it out. And also, you're carrying so much more in your head. Yeah. Like you're having this conversation in your head the whole time about how pieces marry up with one another. That's right, that's right. I, th- I guess it's a, in a way, though, it's just a different set of muscles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because people could argue equally, I guess, that the attention to fine detail in a poem, just mm. the even the breath between one word and another, that's exhausting, you know? Whereas I find that easier. Yeah, yeah. So where are songs in all of this? Are they fully on the back burner or do they still new ones I mean? Do they, or Yeah. I haven't I haven't been writing songs for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um, I did a gig with Charlotte Yates the other day. I saw and, that. And yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. a lot of fun, man. Right. Um so Yeah, so we're gonna do some more of that. She was like, Let's do a tour when you get back. I was like, Fully. I was gonna say it's a bit like writing, like when you're not writing, you're thinking about writing and that for writers and that actually thinking about writing is writing. In a yeah, way. Yeah. Pretty much. And so I wonder are you you're probably starting to think about songwriting. Yeah, it's weird. Now I'm like, how do I get my guitar and my luggage allowance? It's so stupid, like of all yeah. the times to want to go back to the guitar and want to go want to go back to songwriting. Yeah. When I have a twenty three kilogram limit, probably not a good <laughs> idea. But um yeah, I do have mates over there who are who are into kind of sound and poetry and uh, and whose work and aesthetic I, I, I dig, so I'm I'm hoping to hook up with them a little bit when yeah. I get there too. Wow. Yeah. Um, or do you want to read um, us a couple sure. of poems? Sure. Could you do that? Yeah. I was thinking um, if you can read us, well, you choose, but yeah. um, maybe, maybe we could even do one from each book. Okay, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sweet. If, if, if you think that's yep. warranted. Totally. Of course I do. <laughs> of course you do. I'm amazing. Well, you've got to take these moments, don't you? That's that's what it's about. Um, all right, I'll read this one, which is um, it's called Rope, and was inspired by a book by a Native American writer called James Welch called Winter in the Blood. Uh, rope. He wrote me. He wrote to me twice. The second time, it caught fell at the right angle and landed around the bones of my dress. He wrote me from the east like light rising, from the west like light falling. In the arrangement of his cutlery, the bubbling land moving on its plates. Without words or entertainment and without true silence, He roped me in the mud, in the kind of mud people call sucking or stinking. It sticks to one's body, one's feathers and folds. I couldn't bear the thought of soup or vast pastures. He roped me without heart or dancing when he called me his wriggly little girl. It was like freezing when he wrote to me. I watched a thousand doors clap shut in the clouds. He wrote me and began to pull in spite of his own injuries. And I allowed him to be lonely. 
With a shovel, I buried the turquoise feathers, warm from the sun, winter in the blood. In my mind, I wrote letters to all those I'd wronged. I want to be buried with a family resemblance. Should I talk about that? Yeah, please. So um, that that was an interesting poem to write because it the sound of it took over more um, mm. at different times than the meaning. But I, when I wrote it, um, I didn't hear, I didn't even hear the, the echo between rope and rape. And, mm. and it wasn't until I read it to, to my partner at the time, wow. I was like, well that's a bit heavy. And then I thought, oh yeah, shit. So um, that was a good example for me of when you just give the poem its head and then it rewards you by, by actually yeah. writing something that you weren't capable of writing yourself. Yeah, it's fascinating to me that you would. Um, I I totally can see how you've how you, how you've explained that and how that would be for you. But I listen to it and go, that's what's great about it. Is I go, you know, I hear, and I'm sure other readers would feel this way. You hear and feel that echo of those words immediately. But it's kind of wonderful to think, and I I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, you know, it's not a disingenuous thing at all. I know what that's like as a writer to come away and suddenly go. That has an extra meaning. Like, yeah, I didn't, you know. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's even when people tell you, and you have to go, "Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah, right." I, mean, I, I meant, I meant that. that. Yeah, that was but that that's, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking genius. Um, yeah. So, um, all right. So that was from the book called Waha, which is the most recent one. Yeah. Um, I always end up reading the really miserable ones. Uh, oh, let me read this one. Because I guess I do often respond to um, stuff by other people. Um, so this poem is called The Air Show and it was written because I totally fell in love with Ed Cake's um, album Downtown Puff. Oh, yeah, I love yeah, that album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So awesome, eh? I'm, I'm searching for my copy of it actually at the moment because I, I sort of feel the need to listen to it again. Yeah. Um, it's been a while but that's yeah, fantastic, fantastic Brilliant. album. So I particularly love this this uh, song, the song Air Show, the Air Show. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this, the Air Show. It was green. Piano music should have been there, or a harpsichord, a friend with a good strong core. I was keeping my head down, but she found me anyway. Found out by my stripes. My mother's face was dark blue, with a darker blue band at the horizon. The green was the new mown school field. It was the year they arrested those Komatua and took them home instead of jail. It was the year of the fun run. I was piling grass clippings into an aerial view of a house, roofless rooms, lines of damp cuttings at right angles. The sky was pinky red with dust flecks or insects floating. It was the year of the air show, when the guy got the whole thing on film. The thing that nearly happened, but they turned on a dime. Green on green, soft at the corners, a pile for a chair. I walked through grass rooms. You should have been there. You're a good friend. The stripes were sunburn marks, a halter bow, white on tan. They went via the station, and later one of those queer asked the policeman for her fingerprints back. My mother was a shape approaching through insects. All good friends go. Their houses get bought by parents of a girl who says, look at the clouds moving over the moon, they should block it out, but they don't. Then she tries 
to kiss you. I rolled my face into my clippings pillow and prayed to die before I waked. My mother wore a dark blue outfit with a light blue chiffon scarf. In two weeks we're leaving. Dad's staying here, she said. It was the year I learned about diphthongs. It was the year the camping table locked at the knees. The man in the movie said the horse nation lost relatives too at Wounded Knee. It was the year I found out how they fleeced sheep, fists between skin and beast, pushing hard. It was the year I found out they keep the fuel in the plane's tyres. In two weeks, we're flying to Nelson. I prayed to the patron saint of sleeping late. My mother's scarf blows in the same direction as the windsock. My hair's in my mouth for the photo. He puts us out of the car. His engines whine. He pulls out of the car park just in time. The sun or the aviation fuel makes the runway look like water. It's got nothing to do with Ed's song, really. <laughs> but um, I just his I don't know something about the tenor of his song made me remember that that yes. you know. But that's the great thing, thing is that uh, you know I get sick of. Um, talking to people where, or, or hearing people say in interviews, when they're asked about influences, uh, either, you know, like lifelong career ones or just something that inspires something, they tend to pick things that they think they sound like or that they write like. And so it's, you know, it's nice to hear that a moment, a song, sent you off totally. somewhere completely, because this happens all the time, but yeah. people panic and think, oh, this is shorthand, I better name something or someone really good that, ah. I, that I think I'm like. Right. And um, and so yeah, it's nice to it's nice to hear that story that, yeah, yeah. that a song that's not really connected sent you off to a oh, place yeah. where you channeled something. Yeah, yeah. Because that that's what inspiration is, and that's what uh, an influence is, you know. I guess, eh? Like mm. a lot of people, when they hear me, they think Johnny Mitchell. They think sure, you know, but but I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't find them influential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which doesn't mean you don't like them either. Totally, you know, like, yeah. That's the thing. I think people get into this. Um, Oh, I, I um, you know, I better say that because, and it's, you know, I, I've been guilty of it. I think it's really tricky with, um, or shouldn't be, but with female singer-songwriters, there is a group mm -hmm. that continually get named, yep. and um, most times when it's a when it's a, a writer doing, you know, doing that to someone. It's usually meant as a compliment, mm -hmm. you know. It's usually oh, yeah, the yeah, Johnny Mitchell going, name comes yeah, up. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Fun. Yeah, I'm pretty honest. But it's much better if someone actually hones down into um, what has moved and inspired the person, or and if they're yeah. honest to say themselves. There's no reason why your influences would not include Tom Waits or you know who you sound nothing like that's right, that's vocally. Right. Yeah. But you know there's a guy who plays with sound, so totally. that would be a great example and of someone is, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I remember Mahina used to say um, that people often said Joni Mitchell to her, but mm. for her, um, she was much more influenced by um, kind of Hebrew. Uh, religious singer, yeah, right. you know, her phrasing and that. Well, I know I wrote about her and mentioned Joni Mitchell because there was a quality was, in the sound, yeah, and um, you know, hearing her, I mean, she was. Actually, can we talk about her a little bit? Because sure. she was one of the most amazing singers I think Thank I ever you. ever um, heard, and I, I don't recall that I ever met her, but I saw her play a few times and listened to her work, and always found it to be a really amazing. You know, she's one of those people I sort of the work I hold really high and I remember mm. being very sad 
um, hearing the news and having to write something, shit, yeah, a, a token thing to, to 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 my audience to acknowledge, you know, her passing, and I just didn't, you know, it's never a happy thing to do. No. Uh, or I guess it can be when it's someone at the end of their yeah. life and 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 you're reflecting on these wonderful things. Then I guess in a way it kind of can be. But um, yeah, what would, what did you take from her? What did you experience with her? What what was she about? Do you think? She she was a risk risk taker. I reckon. Mm. Um, she she was an activist, and she was kind of a voice activist in some ways because mm. she didn't she didn't permit I think herself to say no to any aspect of the sound she was able to make so mm. that was inspiring she went all over the show mm. um, and yet she had this thing of like it never seemed like it was hard work um, it's hard to separate my knowing her as a person even though I didn't know her that well but mm-hmm. from her music because it's almost like her songs are full of her sense of humour even if she's singing about something really serious and with a lot of gravitas. Uh, she was cheeky as. Mm. Um, she was smart, oh my god. She held herself and others to um, a, a really intellectually rigorous standard. Mm. Um, yeah, the two things I'm thinking about now, just, just um, bringing her up as the shows that her and Charlotte did together yeah. um, were great. And also, I was just, when you were talking about how she sort of stylistically mm. moved all over the map and was and and the songs were funny and I was just thinking it's so great that that um, double album The Mongrel and Me came out and because I, I remember one of my best memories of experiencing her music was seeing the arts festival show where she kind of I think premiered that I'm pretty sure yeah. the album came I yeah. might have my timeline wrong but I'm pretty sure yeah. the album came out afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but where she sort of explored the Jewish ancestry, the, the Maori, and she, yeah. you know, that was the whole idea of the mongrel. Yeah, yeah. That she was built from these different parts. That's right. Uh, those songs were funny in her, and as well as kind of heartbreaking, yeah. and that beautiful voice, right, and yeah. um, just these kind of, you know, I think uh, that's another reason the Joni Mitchell comparison came up, was the idea that sort of strange chords things uh-huh. that you didn't you know yeah. you know yes she'd do some very simple strummy guitar stuff but then there'd be these changes yeah she was and, always pushing it yeah. yeah and so I think you know and I I sort of only really heard that in um, you know Laura Nairo and, mm-hmm. and Joni Mitchell and yeah. I think maybe for other people that's possibly what that comparison's about yeah. too yeah true the guitar work yeah 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 as well as the voice but yeah, yeah but um, yeah that's interesting to you said that she, you know, she didn't necessarily feel her to be a, not a giant yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure she, I'm sure she was aware of it. Yeah, you know, totally, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's why that project was great too, because then she got to be more explicit about those things. Mm. Um, yeah, fuck, it's. I still can't believe she's not here. It's a massive sadness, and she's left amazing, amazing work at the same time. Mm. You know? mm. And it was you know, uh, quite an important exploration of mental illness too. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Through her work and through, like, with her, like, she mm. was 
very open about that and stage banter and interviews. Totally. One of yeah. the first, eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Like, kind of before there were campaigns, yeah. and, which is not to knock them, you know, we need totally. more. But, um, yeah, thinking about it now, uh, just something about the, that name coming up, I just meant she was perhaps... She's a pioneer of that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and again, it's such a trite term, but, but perhaps, you know, quite brutally underrated and underappreciated. Underdiscovered. Totally. Yeah. I feel the same way about Emma Pucky, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, I, again, another person whose voice I wish was way more uh, available yes. more regularly. Yeah. Because, uh, fuck, she's amazing. Yeah, I agree. She's a real deal. Um, I remember the first time I saw her, she was playing, um, you know, uh, covers and... Um, jazz and like mm. any instrument Anything. and I didn't really know who she was yeah. she was just playing in a pub in Hawke's Bay yeah. as part of a band and she played yeah I think every instrument on stage that night and um, was incredible mm. yeah and mm. that was right around the time I guess of the when I said I didn't know who she was I knew exactly who she was when I when I saw her because mm. the big single in the album was out right but um, I didn't know walking into that pub that she was going to be playing more oh, in right. that context. That's what I mean. So as soon oh, as I okay. saw her, I went, wow, she does this too, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, yeah, so awesome, awesome Māori women <laughs> yes. singers, uh, songwriters, musicians, yeah. Um, and Mahara's an amazing, she's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, she's in Perth now, I think, or in Australia okay. now, but... Um, yeah, when you mentioned her before, I was going to ask because I don't. I, I know of her, mm-hmm. but you know, I knew she was her sister, and, but mm-hmm. I don't really know anything about what she, she does. Put out a couple of albums. We did, yeah, we did some tours, and hopefully, she's still doing music in Australia because, yeah, mm. her, she's prolific as. I used to get real jealous. Mm. She used to write a fucking song a day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, couldn't nothing she couldn't do really with her voice as well. Yeah. 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 Amazing family, actually. Um, anyway, let me bore you with another poem. Yeah, do. Um, let me see. Yeah, it's hard to finish that conversation. Oh, you know, no. that's the thing. It's yeah, it is. Um, so why don't I? Um, yeah, I'll do. I'll do talk, which is um, kind of about learning Maori, um, but also about how uh, difficult that can be when you when you when you have Maori heritage and it, so it's kind of all tied up with rediscovering your whapapa and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, hopefully it ends on a hopeful note. <laughs> um, talk. Make any sound, hiss or bubble, like brick in the hearth, like it was a habit. Tell them all about the mountain, the musical instrument played with the nose, how we press our noses to the stone, once for humans, twice for dogs. Or is it twice for humans? Chisel out a cave for us to sleep in, using your hands. And no recitations, no rites belched out, no arts. Is there a word for that? A stream disappears underground and then hatches from the trunks of trees the yellow quivers of the kōwhai mm. 
it's quite amazing um, hearing these poems in this context, like sitting, it's intense in a really nice way. I mean, I've been to poetry readings, I've done poetry readings, mm -hmm. and I've had people, you know, just sitting around reading a poem to me, picking one out of a book and reading it, but there's something I've never sat recording someone <laughs> reading their own work right, and, right. and so a few things are coming up and one of them is you know you've, you've explained yourself well but in this regard but I wouldn't think this is the same person that struggles to get on the stage in any capacity you know that's right quite fascinating right yeah <laughs> even though you've explained yourself quite yep. well in that regard and I and, and I get it I just go that it takes um you know, something to, like, it's one thing to listen back to this when this exists and it's a podcast, but to front up with the, I mean, I asked you to do it, but to front up with the books and read them and to be sitting here under headphones watching you read them this close, it's, 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 it's a very um, special thing to have happen. It's very intense and, and <laughs> it's a unique poetry reading and, it, and it, you know no one else will get that anyone yeah, that listens yeah. to this when we listen to it back yeah. we might get some of that um, but anyone else listening won't perhaps they'll just hear the poems yeah yeah it's pretty it is pretty intense um, but I've read them a lot yeah you know I've read them a lot and it becomes a little bit like doing covers of yourself yes you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I know what that's like yeah uh, but hopefully, I mean, I generally choose the ones to read that have enough resonance for me that I'm not going to get bored of them myself. Yeah. Do you get nicely surprised by, say that last one was from your first book, do you get nicely surprised by things over the years and go, this suddenly, you know, the, 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 you put the, you know, everyone says with songs and poems and that it's like releasing your children out into the world. So it's kind of like you checking back in on them and they've grown up a little bit. Yeah, right, and, right. And you have too. And yeah. Um, it's more for me a, a feeling of relief that they're actually all right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to them and yeah. yeah. And they're, yeah, you're right, they're holding their own and yeah, 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 yeah. walking the, on their own two legs. This stuff. world hasn't crushed them. It hasn't crushed them, <laughs> yeah. Jenny Bornhold actually says you should never turn your back on your first book. Yeah. You know, she always reads from her first book. And yet there's barely a singer songwriter or musician alive that believes their first album is worth hearing you know even if, even when it is yeah, yeah you know they totally. always say oh yeah they don't listen to the first one yeah just go, know, go to the go to the third yeah, I, yeah. that's where i found myself yeah yeah i i don't think that <laughs> yeah, i don't think that i don't think that i think that about my books but not yeah, my albums actually yeah, yeah. yeah. um i'd really like to do another album I would like to do another album, I think I will. The one that I did most recently was with Christine White and it was actually a lot of fun, even though yeah. we did it over a summer when I was just morbidly depressed, God knows how she put up with me. Um, it was it was heaps of fun and I want to do that again. But yeah. I'm thinking, like for you now, an album might even make more sense as um, some poems that were read just like then. Who knows? Some songs, yeah, yeah, some, some poems that you've either put a musical context behind or field recordings. Do you reckon? Do you Why reckon not? Do you do all those things on the same album? Why not? The rules are sort of, yeah. uh, you know, the rules are very much gone now. Yeah. About, I mean, it doesn't even need to be a physical no. release. No, this no. could be something that exists on a page mm. for people to to download. 
and have. Yeah, you know, um, there's a, a writer um, called Emily XYZ who's a um, New York performance poet and she does poems for two voices. She's amazing. So when you mm. listen back to this, write down her name and mm. check her out. Mm. Uh, the, um, this, the poem I'd recommend is Slot Machine. Okay. Um, anyway, she went the other way around. She was performing stuff and she's like, how do I actually publish this in a way that means something to the, the stage version? So she put out the Emily XYZ songbook and it's uh, so one voice in one column, yeah. another voice in the other column, and the lines that they do together are together, like horizontally across the page, they match. And the lines they do separately aren't, aren't matched, if you know what I mean, there's space around them. So she's managed to create this template on the page for what she does on the stage. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether I would want the page involved at all, actually, if I did another album. But I don't know, shit. Oh, well, I'll have a think about it. <laughs> you could, um, well, you could do the, the um, dual release thing again, yeah. where it's a... Uh, you know, you have enough tracks where it's a, if not a double album, mm -hmm. two separate albums that explore these two different. Are you listening, James? Are you listening, James? Confident, <laughs> I can tell he's excited just thinking about it. <laughs> then you can become New Zealand's most hated uh, performance poet slash singer songwriter. Oh. <laughs> I might even not be right about that, you know. People might actually genuinely be big-spirited enough not to hate me. Yeah, I don't think you were. I, I don't. I, I keep coming back to that because I think it's very funny. Because I think I can see how people would. You yeah. know, you described it well as a, a an anxiety mm. around a situation. Mm. But I know you don't really mean it either. Well, the writing community around is pretty solid, eh? It's pretty um, good. I, yeah. It probably is a bit of an us and them feeling for some people. Um, but then isn't around, there, around the course you mean I guess so but then isn't there that with you know any you know like any like there are always little clusters and there are yeah. people you know whether it's music or what I mean I I sort of think that the writing community here is um, you know I don't go to a lot of um, book launches but maybe I go to more than some people I've yeah. certainly been to some and I like going to them when I can. I certainly like going to them when it's someone I know. Yeah. Um, I don't sort of turn up at the opening of an envelope, but um, I'm I'm always amazed. Like those great launches at Unity Books yeah. and, and a few other places in town. I'm always amazed at the number of people that are there, and you yeah. do see the same faces. You do. And um, and it it's I'm you know I think it's one of the things I kind of instantly fell in love with about Wellington when I moved here and that that hasn't gone away, that idea that it's getting harder and harder to yeah. get information out and, and, and feel like, you know, things like that book banning and yeah. <laughs> fucking this, this yeah. flag shit and stuff and you yeah. worry and what's happening to newspapers and you worry about um, voices and, and voices being heard and then you turn up to a literary event and there's, you know, however many people there, whether it's a, a couple of dozen or a couple of hundred yeah. at some of them whatever it is it's it's quite special to see that many people turn up mm -hmm. and um I, I sort of never get sick of that yeah so i like that yeah and I, I i think um wellington is that's why i say i'm coming back here i mm, love it eh? mm. it's a it's a really unique city um not that it doesn't have its issues but um 
So you've moved around a little bit yeah, since, you've been he, well, since you've been in Wellington, but how long have you been in Wellington? Four. Wellington or like, if you, yeah, if you consider... About 20 years. Yeah, yeah right. It's the same years. as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where did you move from? Uh, Hawke's Bay. Okay. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so um, I, I think it's one of the best capital cities in the world, for sure. Yeah. I haven't lived in all of them, though. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be able to add another one to the list maybe, soon. Maybe. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. See what that's like. Um, before we go, mm. I just want to say that um, I have read your stuff over the years mm. and um, I'm really intrigued to know, I think I'm getting, drilling down to what it is that you, maybe if you could say in a sentence, mm. dig about art and what you don't, right? Art or music or whatever mm -hmm, it is, not mm. even. And I really disagreed with you about Lord mm -hmm. and I really disagreed with you about um, Golden Horse, about Kirsten Morale. Oh yeah, yeah. And um and John Pasathis and the and the um Bushman. Oh with the little Bushman? Yeah. I just thought that was a m I thought that was some magic. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't have to talk about yeah, this. No, no, we can say. if you yeah. want to, that's cool. Yeah. Um I yeah, the Lord thing I think, you know, I was arguing against the machine that was built up around right. her as much as anything. Mm. Uh I stand by um it always sounds so pompous to say I stand by, but I I wouldn't retract anything I said about the album, and I actually think the way I wrote about the album was you know fairly okay analysis. Mm -hmm. um, my obviously my perspective. I totally get why people were into it. Um, it's not for me. Uh, I you know I probably um, was you know there was one line that stuck out in the review I did of the EP where I think I was probably trying to make a point I don't even quite understand that if I had pulled that line out might have made might have made my life a bit easier in terms of the grief that I received and probably deserved straight after it and might have actually made it a, a, a bare piece of writing or something. Right. Yeah. So I think I was trying to have a point there um, and then a lot of people have gone, no, you, you just missed the point entirely and, and, and you know, um, one of the things that she sort of she and the people around her have done really well is that there's really no overt sexualization around her i think my what i was probably really trying to get at was <laughs> i knew that i'm you know what i'm 38 what am i 39 i was 37 when i wrote about her i guess and i knew that people were going to say yeah you're just a 37 year old white guy why are you even listening to a 17 year old girl but i knew there were 50 year old white guys that were writing about her and it was okay so long as they said it was positive and that really frustrated me right so i think that's probably what it was okay that's what i think about with lord mm. um golden horse really love golden horse thought they were a good band um didn't like um her solo album at all mm. just didn't like it at all can't remember much beyond that i just i i remember writing a pretty savage track by track analysis of her is it, that's probably what you're talking about. Yeah. So the track by track thing of her album, and I totally remember. And I don't, I don't know her, mm. and so I, although I think we're friends on Facebook, you know, um, uh, I, great leveler. Look, maybe she was gutted. Maybe um, you know, it's one of those things. You know, I, I wouldn't suggest that she. I wouldn't suppose that she'd read it, but I'm sure it got back to her. Mm. Uh, maybe she's gutted. Maybe she didn't care. Um, but I couldn't concern myself with whether that was going to upset her or not. It was a pretty. Um, big reaction I had to that actually I really listened to it and went now nah, this is you know 
this is a mess and it was a mess because um, it had that guy um, Jeff who played in Golden Horse behind yeah. it too who I think is you know a genius really mm. like really clever yeah. and um, and I mean I haven't thought about that since I wrote it until you brought it up um, so it's hard to it's sure, hard sure. to kind of remember yeah, yeah. I mean, I quite th- what I was doing with it I and I haven't heard the album again so sure, yeah. I could probably listen to that album now without any expectation around it and maybe see something in it I didn't see at the time be because maybe I was maybe I was so kind of put out by it because I had really liked the best of the right. Golden Horse stuff mm-hmm. I had thought I, I, maybe I got a little bit sick of them towards the end but I'd always thought she had a great voice yeah. live. She yeah. had some annoying performance ticks I didn't enjoy, but some of the time seeing them, and I thought the song arrangement was really quality yeah. about what they did. And I remember seeing them with the orchestra mm. and thinking that was amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, maybe I should listen to that album again. Listen to it again. I mean, I, I, I would never say, if you don't like something, don't yeah. write about it. I don't believe that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that. I'm just, I just wanted to register and, and say... Um, disagree with you yeah good um, and you should <laughs> and, and you should you know and I, I, to be honest I, I uh, and this is not a dig at that but I always get a bit baffled by people who go to, it happens to me um, words words to the effect of um, read your work um, don't always agree with you yeah I always think well why would you you no, know like it's like, right. like, it's, like that, it's totally fine that you yeah. that you whoever's saying that doesn't but I find it odd that people need to create that distance of I'm not, I'm not your number one fan, and I'm not, you know, right. in agreement with you every time because I would never assume anyone was, was, and I would find it quite strange. I mean, for people to um, have the exact same reaction in the same way to every album I listen to as I do would be a little weird. I, I guess, would, you know, I guess. Um, it's just that for me with you, what yeah. happens is when I agree with you about something, I yeah. agree with you for exactly the same yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right. So, um, so then um, when I disagree with you, it's yeah. almost like, oh fuck, well this is a surprise. Yeah, yeah. I thought I understood what what really did it for Simon, and, and now I don't. Well, um, that's good. I probably yeah. just do it to keep you guessing. I think probably that's do. probably just and more about me. John John Sarthas, I think, is incredible. So much of his work, is I think, you is amazing. Went to that gig, but right? I did go to the Trinity. Uh, Little Bushman yeah. gig, and I wasn't into that at all. And wow. I, I had the feeling, and I've had this a few times, and that that was one of the times that I probably felt it almost the most palpable. Yeah. Was I totally felt like I am the only person here who is not digging this. Okay. I pretty much felt that. And so. Certainly, I went with a, a group of you know a couple of friends, and they loved it, and they uh-huh. they rightly distanced themselves from me because <laughs> I was just standing there going, "This is fucking shit." Wow. And I wasn't saying it, but sure, my sure. face was. Yeah. And they went, "Yeah, we're gonna go up the front now and enjoy this." And I was like, "And I said, good idea, because yeah. I'm a prick to be with a yeah. gig, and I because uh, people stare at me, and of course, yeah. I sort of try to look at nothing but what's up there and." Yeah, I, I get that, you know, um, but I, I just kind of thought it was a real sort of um, cliche of, you know, let's have this jam band and let's have like kind of horn arrangements and, you know, string like peeking in and around the start and end. And I think, again, I think probably I was reacting as much to the concept, the, the concept and the idea that um, the we have this thing in New Zealand where a band or a songwriter or whatever 
they get to this point and then they are allowed to play with the orchestra and the right. orchestra, you know, and right. so I was just saying, I actually really loved Golden Horse with the orchestra, yes. but if I'd experienced that again, I'd be like, you know, maybe not, and, okay. um, you know, Dave Dobbin, who I love, I've seen with the orchestra and uh, it was it was fine, and I think I probably reviewed it uh, in a positive light, but I certainly wasn't one of the, his most memorable gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of feel like there was Shapeshifter with an orchestra, right, right. which was probably the most um, pointless, uh, you know, collaboration because it was just big long string intros. Uh, then the, you know, and I, I'm, I don't follow Shapeshifter now, but seeing them then, they were a very good live band. Uh, so you got this great organic sort of drum and bass yeah. thing happening. The strings fade out, we go into a shapeshifter tune, the shapeshifter tune finishes and then like this long sort of string outro and it's like, what's the point in this? This is just giving the orchestra a job for the night and it's elevating shapeshifter at that point to a bigger venue than they could have. But that to me is not, none of that is what happened with John and and Little Bushman. Really? I mean, I didn't go to the gig. I've only got the album, right? Right, um, I've never heard the album. Right, so you see, when when I... I've got this Maybe I should listen to oh, album too now for that. Because you know. the thing is, um, I wouldn't have thought that it would at all translate into an album. Yeah, well, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Because um, the Salmonella dub one didn't, and right, was horrible. Right. But, yeah. But it just it survives that test for me that that because um, I've got hundreds of songs on rotate, and then yeah. one of those will come on, and I'll be like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. You know, without before I've had a chance to realise what it is. Yeah. It's got me again. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a good test for me. I think, I mean, probably what, what it is too is I sort of think um, Little Bushmen are pretty rubbish. Like, I think, right. um, and so I, I, John um, Pasatha's got really shitty about what I said about the gig. Right. And um, I definitely remember saying something about his you know, arrangements and or yeah, the, the orchestra and his arrangements and saying that I thought it was a bit hackneyed. So he was pretty upset with that. Right. Um, he's never contacted me about any of the times I've raved about his work. Right. Which is not what oh, happened. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, it's not what happens. happens people don't. Happen. People don't do that. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and uh, um, but Little Bushman, I've never really sort of seen the point of. Right. I kind of think that this shapeless jam band that people gravitate around because of the cult of Warren and Warren Maxwell is a guy who I you know I've had some nice conversations Mm -hmm. with I like him and as much as I know him he's certainly been more civil with me than he needs to be given what I've said about some of his projects right Um, he he would have every right I would consider to just think I was the biggest prick out and not want to talk to me and and maybe silently he does but he's always been really nice to me when right. I've seen him and a couple of times I've reviewed him positively about things he's done see he did a thing with the orchestra a couple of years later that was just him right and it was arranged with John Pasathis and it was mind-blowing and I wrote about it and said it was fucking incredible and Warren sent me a nice note saying wow you know this is kind of cool coming from you because I know you're not uh, a fan of everything I do sort of thing which I thought was Ah. pretty amazing from him he doesn't need to do that and it came across in the manner I'm sure it was intended I don't think it was a sort of false thing at all Um, but yeah I just I don't know that songwriting is his strength right so to me um, yeah I think maybe maybe you're right but he's got so many others sure have you listened to he might have a um the album that 
that Charlotte put out the you know no I haven't like, I, no I haven't heard that one this track on that is really amazing yeah I want I want to um, hear that because I love you know the Baxter and Too Far yeah and, yeah it's an interesting so concept. yeah yeah I wondered how that one went yeah so that track his track on that is again to me that's the one that I go oh what's okay. that you know um so he's similar to me actually to Emma Pucky yeah. in that kind of quite pure geniusy type stuff that I can't put my finger on and. So it's interesting to hear you say that you preferred him on his own with the orchestra. I, I totally did because I thought he he presented. I guess the material overall was more interesting and stronger. But I guess him being you know being a featured soloist with the orchestra is a in that capacity it's an incredibly vulnerable position yeah. to put yourself yeah, in. And I think he more than backed it up with the writing, right. which I've sort of argued in the past. I don't think is his. Okay. Maybe his strength. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I went and saw Trinity Roots when they first. I think I saw their very first gig. In fact, I know I saw their very first gig, mm. and I went and saw them a bunch of times after that because they were an extraordinary live yeah. band to watch. Yeah. But as soon as they released an album, I kind of just went, "This band is not for me." Like the right. music is not, like what they're singing about and the way they're doing it. It just did not resonate with me. Okay. And eventually to the point of embarrassment. And wow. I just, oh yeah, yeah. I'm quite probably quite strong on it. <laughs> might be guessing. And you know, I think I think the latest album, the new one, is just a fucking disaster. Okay. But people dig that too. They love it. They mm. think because because uh, you know, to a lot of people, um, Trinity Roots and Little Bushman as a side thing mm-hmm. um, are, are kind of the sound of Kiwi Summer to people that have made that transition. And sure. I don't have any problem with that, sure. but I just don't think the work's particularly strong. Right. I always have to sort of say that. I mean, I'm sure you'll. But are you are you kind of a wordsy person? Like, is words like massive in music? Yeah, well, I am, but um, I am. But in saying that, you know, like I, you know, I own seventy Frank Zappa albums, okay. and, and 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 including all the classical and instrumental ones, and oh. I, you know, like I I listen to jam bands, and I love, you know, I've I had this whole kind of phase of digging over the top guitar virtuosos so I love and, and you know I love Steely Dan and okay, yeah. so I love music and mm-hmm. clever music and yeah. even pointy headed sort of boring music that yeah, yeah. you kind of shouldn't like that yeah, I yeah. heard at a formative time in my life sure. I'm kind of stuck with but yes in terms of songs and songwriting I think words maybe not um, the actual words but the way they're used mm-hmm. and the avoidance of sort of stock phrases and yep. cliches is really important yeah and yet if you use a cliche at the right moment absolutely right, that's yeah. the thing for me is that, absolutely. And that, and that to me is a difference between poetry and or a difference between poetry mm. and songs is mm. that songs they, they they can get away with a lot more appeal to nostalgia mm-hmm. you know, and um and repetition I well guess. they can because there are other things that are um you know paul kelly's like I've read quite a few books of lyrics, mm. and a lot of the books of lyrics to generally don't really work. They're interesting if yeah, you no, haven't, no. but they generally don't. No. And I think one of the best ones was Paul Kelly's okay. book of lyrics, and he says a really good thing in the um, intro that I've sort of kind of quoted and misquoted often. But he's something like, um, if the music's doing its job properly, it charges the good lines and it obscures the weak ones. Oh. And I just think that's exactly it. That is what a genius. That's, that's that, a great exactly. Oh, and that is yeah. an explanation of, totally. if not songwriting, then the difference between a song and a poem. Poem. Yeah. And I think that's it. And, to, 
and it has yeah. that great economy. Um, Bill Manheis, the way he puts it is the other the other way around. Mm. The focus on poetry is that mm. a poem should perform on the page. Yes. Yeah. So I've heard ideally, that yeah, there'd like be no yeah. um, there'd be no room for anything else. That's right. right. Yeah. It is its own arrangement. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but the Paul Kelly book is is great because yeah he has those stock phrases and he taps into Australian slang oh, yeah. and um, cliches but um, you know he I think he's a really great wordsmith and I he think is. perhaps you know I keep using that term but perhaps in the scheme of things underrated because he's kind of deemed a second or third tier below your sort of Bob Dylan's and so mm -hmm. forth and if you actually look at the quality of his work yeah relative to his discography you know there aren't many misses there yeah, are, even the albums that haven't done that well oh. in fact in a lot of cases the albums that people have forgotten about by Paul Kelly contain some of the best lyrics like yeah. there's this one from about 2000 or 2001 I think called Nothing But A Dream and that album is some of his best songwriting like okay. lyric writing yeah. I think and yet it's an album that kind of disappeared without a trace over here anyway like okay. maybe, maybe in Aussie it's held up but and and Last two years ago, he put out effectively a solo album, quite a sparse acoustic song cycle. Right. Basically, it charts a relationship mm -hmm. forming and breaking up, and it's incredible. It's wow. like you know, it's like singing a diary. Oh God, I have to get that album. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. What's um, it called? Oh, I, I can't remember now. I think okay. it's called Spring and Fall. Okay. I think okay. it's called Spring and Fall. Funny, because what Hamaida was saying, um, he was talking about the structure of a novel, mm. and you know, there's this the hero's journey, there's you mm. know the climax, the blah blah blah, whatever you want to. There's all sorts of different ways you can arrange a novel, but mm. um, he uses what he calls an indigenous arrangement, which is spring, summer, no, summer, mm. oh, the the seasons, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and going back around to spring. Yeah. So he. Um, yeah, so so we've just been thinking about that whole yeah. that organic thing with with arranging you know literary structures in your head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to go back to the little Bushman Trinity Roots thing. Uh, you know, it isn't it isn't so much that the you know because look, I love Shehad, but I I I don't think John Turgood's the greatest lyricist. Yeah, and I think he doesn't think he is either. Right, but. For what they're doing, I think they write kick-ass songs. Like the structure of the song is, and, and I mean, I personally think of Shehard as more of a live band than a record band, anyway. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm interested in their old stuff more so than their newer stuff and all of that. But um, I, I, even now, I think with their new songs, they're writing quite sharp songs. And I think that Warren's thing, not to pick on him, but um, you know, hopefully, I'll talk to him. On, on this podcast one day because I think he'd be great to, yeah, to talk to about it but um, I, I sort of feel there's a shapelessness about the songs musically right. as well so it sort of does my head in from both okay. from both angles okay. if that's if that's explaining it um, yep. a little bit yep. um, and yet you know it is this whim of um, what you feel like at the time because uh, you know I'm not opposed to you know, listening to the Grateful Dead, who are the kings of you know shapeless, <laughs> shapeless, shapeless dram, now jamming and fucking doggerel. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. you know. But I love what they do. Uh, but then again, I don't love everything that they do. Right, you know, and right. I, and I've got to be in the right mood for it. But mm. I can find their music um, to be the absolute perfect thing I want to listen to, and I don't think I could ever say that about about Trinity Roots. Okay. So yeah, it's funny that. Mm. But I never heard that live album, the Bushman. 
orchestra one, so maybe the album worked. Well, it Unsurprisingly, I wasn't sent it to review after I wrote about the, the concert. Sure. You know? um, yeah, it totally works for me. And I listened, I've listened to it through some of the shittiest stereos in the world as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I reckon we'll give it another listen. I'll, get it out. I'll give it a first listen. Oh, first case. listen, I'll, yeah, first listen. I'll get it from the library and go to home. Another job to go somewhere, anywhere. But it's not of these I talk, it's not of these I talk. Mm -hmm. People leave, I know, the therapeutic purposes, and sometimes for no reason. 